And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Welcome to the latest edition of Until Saturday. Week one, guys. Week one picks. Uh, I know week zero kind of, you know, wet the beak a little bit, but week one really does hit a little bit different, doesn't it? I'm uh, joined uh, by Chris Vanini. How you doing, bud? Hey, man. Thursday night football. We have some Friday night games. We have some Saturday games. We have some Sunday games. We have some Monday games. You fired up about that, David? I love the week one because it is a buffet, and the Sunday-Monday games are going to be actually good. And true to being a, a very good host of podcasting, I forgot to introduce myself. If you don't know who I am, I'm Ari Wasserman, and I'm pleased to be back from out of town. Uh, if you haven't seen, Max Olson and I have been spending the last month of our lives flying all over the country, eating and drinking on campuses, and you know, filming a series called the official visit, which is on YouTube now sponsored and supported by StubHub, where we went to five college campuses, uh, Ohio state, Michigan, North Carolina, Georgia, and most recently Texas. And we went and toured the facilities, ate at the best restaurants, drank the, the places you need to drink at, and I've presented it to you in eight to 10 minute videos that will be releasing every Thursday on YouTube. Please go check it out. And I got to tell you guys, I don't think I'm one for, for film production because it took two full days to record each episode and they, they whittled it down to eight minutes and it was kind of demoralizing, but, but great at the same time. Cause they look good. I, I, I think that they're worth watching. I wish I was able to edit my own work in that way. Uh, because if I produce these shows, they'd be like three and a half hours long. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, they're it's just good. Like, like, it's high quality stuff. The first episode's out. I've seen the clips and everything. Yes. Uh, really good stuff. And it's not just some of it. You know, you're not just going to the places everybody goes to. Like you actually learn something from visiting these towns. And I think that's really important. So good job yeah. to both of you. I hope you're I hope you're doing OK after a oh, after a month of traveling and eating. It sounded very different. Yes. Yeah. No, I'm just like uh just going to eat salads for the rest of the year. I just have to. I'm over here <laughs> sipping on Crystal Light right now. My uh, lips look like I just got done smooching my wife. She's out of town. I promise you it's just Crystal Light. Um, so, yeah, let's get into week one picks. This is my favorite show of the week. If you've noticed that I've been patchy in and out of these podcasts, it's because of the official visit uh, filming schedule, and that has now come to a close. I'm 100% locked into the season and super excited um, to, to really dive in it with you with you guys for the rest of the year. Um, before we get into it, be sure to follow the podcast on Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, drop us a five-star review. If you'd be so kind and, and leave questions for your, for your comments, and we will make sure to address them on the show. And of course, subscribe to until Saturday on YouTube, um, every Thursday, Saturday and Sunday, for the most part, uh, we will be going live for picks, uh, Saturday reaction, and then Sunday sound off this week. Sunday sound off will be on Monday because the best game of the weekend is on Sunday. So we just wanted to get that one in the books uh, before we do it. So we'll go live at some point mid morning on Monday. We'll keep you posted on the, 
uh, time for that. And of course, um, if you listen to the first Sunday sound off, the voicemails are going to be a huge part of this whole thing. We got a lot of good ones for the first week. Uh, we could use a lot more. 316-462-9852 is the number. Uh, 316-462-9852. J.G. Wentworth, 877 cash now. <laughs> It doesn't just, hit like, quite the same now, Ari. It doesn't. No, no. <laughs> yeah, I try. I try to run it back, but I, I, I do I tried scream. To come up, yeah, I tried to come up with some names for the for the thing. Remember, I, I tried to give you some letters. Nothing that was all that good. Actually, I tweeted it at Sam, but the, there are no clear letters to make it easier than remembering just simply those straight numbers. I think. Yeah, I think one was hoax eighty five, which I'm not calling that number. Ho- that's oh, a yeah, number. That's, that's right. a number it, to it, it give was, Chris money directly. <laughs> that's what that it is. Was, it was. Uh, it was three one three one six hoax. 85A, I believe, was... Uh, well, sure. it sounds like the phone number That's you would be getting a call from to steal your credit card information. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. So we have 10, uh, 10 picks this week. Big mm-hmm. games. We're going to go through some some trap game scenarios, maybe uh, locks of the week, um, sickos uh, game of the week. And there's only one answer to that one when we get to it, by the way. And quad box of uncertainty because Dave um, is more infatuated with the four quad box YouTube college football viewing experience than any human being I've ever met in my entire life. And we're going to try to, yeah. you know, say which four games are we going to want on those, on those quad box viewing. And of course, as we get into the lines and the, in the picks, um, remember that these betting spreads are presented by bet MGM. So first game of the week, let's get started. I'm excited. Um, Saturday games we're going to start with because, uh, this is being recorded on Thursday, published on Thursday. We don't want to blow uh, the episode for people who listen on Friday morning with the games that are uh, being played on Thursday night, namely uh, Florida and Utah. So you can get those picks at the end of the show, um, along with an interview with Darius Rucker that our uh, Mike Zimmerman did about a five, six minute interview with the country music star talking about his South Carolina fanhood. And apparently he's re-recording the college game day sign uh, song. I believe that's right. Um, you know, when it comes to the co- college game day song and Darius Rucker, I, I only want to be with you. So, um, you know, it's a good start. Um, and maybe you guys can hold my hand as we go through these picks. Do you remember the oven? Do, do you either of you remember the previous game day song, Bubba Sparks, before it was the uh, I'm city? familiar? It was not iconic in the same way that coming to your city has become. I, I, yeah. so Whenever the conversation came out, I saw some people tweeting the YouTube and I watched it and I I kind of remembered it. Um but this was like 2003, Three, 4, yeah. 5, 6. So like I was aware of College Game Day, but it, it hadn't become like this cultural institution the same way that it had. And I think I was still like on the TNBC train uh in high school back in those days, uh getting my city guys I say by the bell, the college years, I got to check the years on some of these, but I, I don't think I was still spending. I was spending my Saturdays watching and going to college football games, but I don't think uh, I was watching as much game day in 2003, but I do vaguely remember it. Shout out to Bubba Sparks. I'm curious. Talk about football, guys? What do you think? Let's do it. Let's talk football. Let's talk okay. football. Okay. So let's start with some Saturday games here. Um, and of course, the freak show of the week, if we had a category for that, um, would be Utah State at Iowa. Uh, this is the first game for the drive to, what is it, 325? 325, yes. Iowa is laying 24 and a half points. That means they are giving another team 24 and a half points, uh, which means <laughs> that they have to score quite a bit. Um, is this the type of game where uh, 
this team will run up the score if they can to try to preserve that drive to 325. Uh, I mean, kind of. Like, here's the thing. I, I, I generally think as funny as the drive to 325 is, you know, Iowa has a functional quarterback now in Cade McNamara, and it's not, it's never pretty, but it's never, like, when they have a quarterback especially, it's never as bad as it was last year. So, uh, you know, the team total, I believe, is 33 and a half on this game. I, I think I'm taking Iowa here. I think the defense will be the defense, and they are pretty physical, and I think they can lean on Iowa State here. So, I think Iowa does run it up here, and... Not to spoil the drive to 325, but uh, if you're a realtor, I wouldn't be blowing up Brian Ferentz's phone just yet because I think he's going to be sticking around, and I think they get in the 40s in this one. This will be the game, I think, that tells us whether or not I was any different because, remember, they struggled last year with FCS teams, with bad mm-hmm. teams. You know, like they were losing to, was it South Dakota State, I think, at halftime no, last North year? No, North Dakota. It was, I think it was 10-7 North against North Dakota last year. Yeah, yeah. So, like... Not North Dakota they State, couldn't, just North Dakota. <laughs> they, could, they couldn't do it then. I mean, they couldn't do it against FCS teams. So, in, in Utah State's a team, they won the Mountain West two years ago. They were decimated by injuries last year. They've had a lot of portaling. So, it's kind of hard to tell what Utah State will be. Their quarterback situation is not great. I think it'll be very difficult for them to score. Putting this line at 24.5 at the first game of the drive to 25, uh, drive to 325 <laughs> where you have to get 25 points per game is just like in, in, incredible timing. And I'm sure people will get sick of it at some point, but this is a really, really interesting game, I think, because Utah State's a good team. It's, it's just a lot of unknowns. I'm going to say... No, I'm going to say Utah State covers until I see it. I won't believe it from Iowa. Yeah, I mean, of course, with this game, it's such a quarterback-driven uh, game. But the thing that I'm more interested in, because I think we know that Iowa's defense is going to be good, and I think that it is funny and hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious that the amount of points they have to score is the spread of the game. <laughs> uh, but what do we think about the 33 like, I mean, do you think that Iowa is going to not, I mean, forget the spread and whether they cover it. Do you think they'll score more than 33 points in this game? Yes, I do. I think, no. I think people are, I think people, because there was so much attention on Iowa last year and all the laughs and it was very funny and it was very ugly. I, I think people somehow forgot that their personnel was not very good last year. Like, the quarterback that they played a bunch last year just retired, didn't even bother transferring and like leaving. I think he's just a student on their campus yes. now. That's what I'm saying. So like, you know, you, you, I think that tells you a little bit. And I think Cade McNamara, he may not be Superman, but I think he's a pretty good player. He took Michigan to the playoff, uh, you know, a couple years ago. And I think he's a guy that at the very least is a huge upgrade. Now that's a low bar, but I think Iowa will be not good, not pretty, but I think they'll be functional, dare I say competent, offensively this year. And I think when they play off- you know, defenses that are going to give them a lot of trouble, you know, that's going to be a problem for them. I don't think they're going to be very good when they go up against people that have better athletes. I, Utah State's not going to have better athletes. And, and I think that when you can win the battle up front, protect Cade McNamara, get Eric All some touches. I mean, I, I, their personnel, especially at skill positions and especially at quarterback, is so much better that I think the drive to 325 is going to disappoint a lot of people this year because they might hit it by, like, mid-November. Well, they had, like, no wide receivers last year, too. Yes. Especially early in the year. That was a part of it. But 
Utah State also put uh, new coordinators on both sides of the ball, so there will be an adjustment them uh, there for them as well. You know the thing that I think is really funny about the whole situation about last year um, is that we spent a lot of time discussing how terrible the team was uh, on the field, but a main fixture of the offensive coordinator's job isn't to make it look pretty or sexy on the field. Mm -hmm. The question is, how did Iowa get to a place where they were starting a quarterback that had that retired and didn't transfer somewhere and had zero receivers. And I understand that they had some injury, but personnel and accumulation of talent is a major aspect of this scenario. So if you think that last year didn't go well, um, because there were some personnel issues, who is responsible for that? The same person that runs the offense. So it's, well, this, yeah, but Ari, this is what I'm, this is what we're talking about though, is, is I think Brian Ferris deserves all of the criticism because they didn't have good personnel and they weren't doing anything creative or anything interesting to try and offset that. You know, a coach's job is to make the most out of what you have. They didn't have anything. They couldn't win a lot of one-on-one matchups and they spent the whole season trying to cram this square peg into this round hole that just didn't work and they weren't doing anything to try and, you know, any kind of, you know, there wasn't a lot of misdirection. There wasn't a lot of creativity, a lot of run, run pass, you know, punt, field position, you know, lean on Tory Taylor. <laughs> like, we get it. And, and then that's a four-month period, it's just going to be like an absolute renaissance of offensive creativity and, and innovation not, here? They're not, listen, they're not going to okay. be a top 50 offense in college football, but they're going to be, the, the personnel is so much better now that I think they're going to be not a laughing stock, which is, you know. Important. And if they weren't a laughing stock last year, they might have actually more like played in the Big Ten shot title game a year ago. That's the funniest keep, thing about the whole thing. Yeah, probably. To your point about the, about the personnel, remember, they had Charlie Jones. They had Chuck Sizzle on the team. He left, mm-hmm. went to Purdue, became a fourth-round pick. So, like, yes. that's on the coaches as, as as well. So, Iowa hasn't scored 25 points per game each of the last two years. So, we'll see. I think Iowa's going to cover the game. I think that, like, there's only – so much hope if they come out here and it's another one of these 14 to 10 type games, it's just like, just don't even show up for the rest of the year. Pour it on. Well, please show pour up because I want to watch it if they're going to do that. Yeah. And, and like, I promise I know people, people got a little irritated last year because we spent a lot of times, you know, on Iowa as, as much time as we're doing right now, we're going to keep you posted on the, on the drive to three twenty five. but I promise you it won't be 20 minutes of every podcast. So just stick with us. It okay. Here's, it might be. Okay. okay maybe I shouldn't make any promises. I don't think I can keep, but Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Okay, the next game, guys. Dave is flying, getting on an airplane to come to our city for this game. This one is the the buildup in your head. I, I can't imagine what it would be like, Dave, for you. Um, but everybody's ready to see Colorado take the field against number 17 TCU. TCU is a 20-and-a-half-point favorite. And let me just say one thing before I let you cook, Dave. Okay. Did you look at the 247 composite? I, I was going to have this conversation <laughs> with you. I read your column this morning. I, I literally – Wrote about this briefly yesterday in our like newsletter thing with with uh, with with read the until Saturday newsletter. We need to have a talent composite conversation, Ari. I'm very excited for you to cook a little bit, but go on. Well, well, the question that I have is you were you were so plugged in with the complete flip of that roster, right? Mm-hmm. And I knew Colorado was in the 60s last year in their total team composite talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you would have just blindly asked me before they released the new one. On Wednesday, where do you think Colorado would be after the flip? Considering how many players they took from from Jackson State and, you know, how hard it is to actually flip your roster, I certainly would not have guessed anywhere above 40. So when I actually saw the data of what Colorado is bringing from a, a just a raw talent standpoint from the recruiting rankings, mm-hmm. I was shocked. And the number... And I don't know if you were shocked, but I was. And I think they are in the mid to low 30s, right? They're number They're 35. 35. 35. That is higher than I would have thought. What about you? No, that's about where I thought they'd be. Here, Here's the issue. It's a fascinating question, right? Because talent composite is a relatively reflective, reasonable metric of how much raw talent you have on your team. However... The question is, when you build your roster in the manner that Colorado has, and you get guys like, you know, for every Alton McCaskill, four-star guy that was productive at Houston, you know, AAC freshman of the year, they missed last year, and, a, you know, a Dylan Edwards that they yanked from Notre Dame, uh, commit, and he's going to be a big-time player for them, and, you know, Shador and Travis Hunter, for all those guys, there's a lot of, like, Amari McNeils and, like, guys that were four-stars at other programs, three-stars, that didn't really pan out it didn't really do anything so that number is not surprising maybe slightly inflated um but this is why um you know this this whole this whole experiment is so fascinating because how real is that number because Dion has he's added a bunch of pieces that he probably couldn't get at Jackson State. Like I said, guys like Dylan Edwards, guys like a Alton McCaskill, some transfers, guys like a Jimmy Horn Jr., big time, you know, they're going to have good skill position talent. Um, but I think the, the the deal with TCU will be, you know, the lines all season. I have concerns about that. I think they're going to be able to actually rush the passer. I think they're going to be pretty good there. I don't know if they're going to be able to stop the run. I have major questions about their ability to protect Shador Sanders. But, you know, Ari... 
we can get into the pick here. I, I this is too many points. I, I think Colorado's gonna struggle, but TCU is not exactly a world beater. I think people see one and eleven and all the controversy with CU, and they see national runner up and forget that TCU was not, you know, TCU was not one of the four best teams last year. They were a very good team. They're rebuilding a bunch. They've lost a ton of pieces. You know, Max Duggan, Kendra Miller, Quentin Johnson, all those big pieces. Um, I'm forgetting a DB with Trey Tomlinson. He, they lost him as, as yeah. well. Yep. Johnny Hodges is like the biggest piece that they're bringing back, but they're rebuilding a ton. I think TCU is going to be good, but you know, the gap between these two is not that big. I think TCU is 24. So I think 19. TCU, yeah, TCU is 19. So yeah, you know, that's good. That's because guess what? Colorado ain't the only team that portals. Yes, exactly. So Sonny Dykes was portaling before, before Dion was, but I, I, I'm, this is a fascinating game because in, in in one sense, I think Colorado can score enough to keep this close. But in another sense, you know, I was, I was texting with a coach yesterday who reminded me that, hey, Joe Gillespie runs that 3-3-5 stack that torments this Baylor offense. Like the way that the, the way that they do this stuff. I mean, if you remember West Virginia, when they're running the 3-3 stack uh, under Tony Gibson at West Virginia, they used to absolutely just make Baylor pull its hair out. Like the best Baylor teams. They'd go out there and score in the 20s and they'd be like, what is happening? Because you can slow down their running game by bringing in a lot of uh, rushers from weird angles. It confuses the offensive line. And this offensive line is not exactly the biggest piece of chemistry. So this is a super interesting game just because it is so unpredictable. It's not in my quad box of uncertainty because I knew we were going to spend a lot of time chatting about it. But it's certainly one of the two or three most interesting games of the week. And, you know, for all, you know, this is put up or shut up time for Colorado. So I'm, I'm curious where you guys land on this game. I, I'm going to, I think Colorado can keep this somewhat close. Did you guys see the Fox commercial for this game? The one I that did. is too legit to quit. <laughs> it's entirely Dion in Colorado with like a two second clip of TCU that calls him a big 12 power. This is the <laughs> team that just played for the national championship game. And now they've got some bulletin board material going up against a team that was one and 11 last year. I, my biggest question about Colorado is if they are as small as they look in all their social media clips. Uh, this is not a team that looks very big. And to your point about the team talent ranking, there were 15 guys on that team who are former five or four star players. None of them are offensive linemen. One of them is a defensive lineman. So like, that's where I am very concerned about Colorado. And you talk to the people around TCU. They feel good about this team. Like they were not supposed to do what they did last year, obviously, but you lose a couple of star players here and there on both sides of the ball. But I think they feel like their depth across the board is a lot better. And remember Chandler Morris won the starting job last year over Max Duggan and was better than Max Duggan in practice Throughout the season, they just couldn't bench Max Duggan because of what he was doing in all the games, becoming the Heisman runner-up. So I think TCU is weirdly a team we're not talking about and very much overlooking considering what they did last year. I've got TCU and, and, and taking the points and everything with that. You know, it's completely appropriate that both of you guys are on different ends of the spectrum because there really is zero understanding or insight of what to expect in this game. You know, like... Mm-hmm. How do you actually know what to pick here? Like I, uh, I would gamble on uh, dice on the side of the street, but like I still have no idea how this is a bettable game. Like in my in one set of thought processes here, I, I could see Travis Hunter making some huge plays because he's legitimately going to be the best player on the field. I can see Shadour Sanders making plays. I can see Colorado scoring, but on the other hand, I could just see TCU physically dominate this team in every aspect of the game. Like I mean, I. 
I, I feel like Colorado keeping it within a touchdown isn't surprising, and TCU winning fifty nine to nothing isn't surprising. So the thing that I want to know, and you now. come on now, well, if they don't have any lines, and TCU gets after it, like you can't. I don't care how good your skill position players are. Like if you 40, can't block I can anybody. Like, I can see like fifty one seventeen plausibly. I All mean, that's I know not that is much different. Yeah, yes, I mean, it like, is. I don't know. Yes, I'm just trying to say. I'm just trying to say that like a complete physical domination of this team. If you want to change the score around, like I, it doesn't change the point I'm, I'm trying to make. I just, I mm-hmm. like you know this. Like, do they? Can they get to the passer and can they stop people from getting to their passer? Like, do they have the bodies I up think front? They can, I think to they can get them? to the passer. I think that I think what they'll be able to. Run, I don't think they're going to be able to stop the run. You know, for a lot of the reasons that Chris talked about, I, I think they're going to have a lot of issues there, and then protection. I mean, offensive line is built so on chemistry. We don't really know who's going to go out there for them. It was a huge loss for them to not have Tyler Brown. He might have been their best offensive lineman. Um, he, I think he's supposed to be one of the strongest players on the team. Um, but ultimately, I have to check and see who they eventually roll out. But there's a chance that Colorado rolls out four offensive linemen in their starting five that weren't there in the spring. And Yee. especially, I know, especially against this defense, that is so confusing and requires so much uh, communication exactly. and can hit you and stuff the run in ways that is are very frustrating. I mean, Michigan dealt with this. You know, we everybody said, oh, Michigan's going to be able to just pound them, just pound them. Well, how did TCU slow down that running game? Because they come – this 3-3 stack, you know, we I, I always compare it to. It's a little bit like the triple option of defense. Not a lot of people run it. It's very hard for quarterbacks because – there's a lot of different reads, guys coming from different places, but it's even harder for offensive linemen to fit your get your run fits and 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 block the run the way you need to and create the holes because they bring rushers from weird angles that you're not used to. It's not a downhill sort of situation. So, you know that that's it, that's my concern. I, I'm not even sure if it's going to be physical domination if, if Colorado gets run out of the gym on this game. I think it's going to be because the 33 stack just you know they, these are going to be athletes. That this this scheme and this staff and this offense just have not played against. Dave, what uh, is largely. the way that you think the game is going to play out? Like in your head, based on what you know, because probably there aren't a lot of people who have spent as much time writing, mm-hmm. researching, talking, and, and thinking about Colorado. Like, what's your best guess of of what they bring to the table and how this game is going to look? Well, I think Colorado's secondary is really going to struggle because. You know, Travis Hunter didn't exactly set the world on fire as a corner last year. Um, part of that's injury, but they don't have anybody on his level. I, I think secondary, they're really going to struggle, and I don't know if they're going to be able to protect. If they can protect Shador, I, they're going to score points. Like, their receivers are good. Their receivers are an above-average group. You have Travis Hunter. You yeah. have Jimmy Horn. I think Dylan Edwards is at running back. I think he's a guy, for all the press that Alton McCaskill's getting, and, and you know, it's, we'll see about his health. I think Dylan Edwards is actually going to be the guy uh, at running back for them. Um, but I think it comes down to can you protect and can you prevent the 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 big play on defense? Because, you know, you, you talk to people around Colorado, you watch enough practice. Buddy, there have been some fireworks offensively. And may, and some of that's the offense, but a lot of that is poor tackling and a lot of Give me a score. Give me a score. How much of that is the five foot nine uh, guys who look like walk-ons in those social media clips playing cornerback? I don't. I, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, again, their depth chart is so amorphous. I'm going to say something along the lines of like forty-one twenty-four TCU. Okay. 
I guess that would be a success for Colorado, right? Like, I don't know. I there mean, are so it's many sort of people. Like a, we'll see. It's it, you didn't you didn't really That'd prove anything, success. but you would it? If they don't get embarrassed, they score if they score points and don't get run out of the building, that's a huge success. We're gonna no, talk about Colorado more no, than we no, are no, now. No, no, no. Listen, no, listen. Everybody wants to say, oh, this team was one and eleven. This is not a one and eleven team. Like, there's ten guys left over from that team. You brought in a whole new team. It's not about coaching guys up or even improving a one and eleven team. They just changed the roster. It's something totally different. This team is not a one and eleven team. It's not a 10 and 1 team or whatever they finished at Jackson State. It's just a whole weird fantasy team of guys that they plucked out of the portal. It sounds and dysfunctional and terrible. Well, Dion says he doesn't care about culture. He doesn't care if guys like each other. Yeah, so right, it's okay. what it Give is. me the points. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'm going to lay the points here. Like, I think that TCU <laughs> okay. is going to roll over them. I really Maybe do. Too. I, I, I do too. I, uh, so we'll see about that. But that, like, honestly speaking, like, I'm tempted to make TCU minus 20 and a half the lock of the week. I just don't know who they're playing. Like I don't know what I don't know what it's gonna be. So I know you 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 seem to think that this is gonna be a very functional group, but I think that like I don't know if they're gonna be able to stop the run, and I'm really worried about their secondary means that I think TCU is gonna score oh, a lot right. of points. I think, I think Colorado's gonna <laughs> go. Colorado is yeah. <laughs> too athletic in the skill positions to just not score. Hey, I think they're, they're gonna be able to get some on, big points. Look, if they change they're the rules and it's seven on seven, seven, seven stipulation yeah. for the match, then it'll be yeah. then it'll be. I am with you though, Chris, because and I'm not trying to gang up on you, Dave, but like those videos. And from practice, it's like, do they have like Dylan Panthers out there like covering? Like, I don't even know what's going on. Uh, Those are 2006 state champions, Ari. Let's not dismiss the Dylan Panthers. (laughs) Yeah, but uh, it's, uh, I'm excited and super excited just to see what we're dealing with here. Uh, Mm -hmm. And super excited to see how Dion behaves, win or lose. Okay, next game Ohio State on the road at Indiana, laying 30 and a half points. Um, Ryan Day this week announced that Kyle McCord would start. But Devin Brown will play. So sounds like the competition is going to continue on into the season. And uh, here we go. What do you guys think? I think Indiana is going to do everything they can to uh, offset that pass rush, quick throws, all kinds of stuff. I think it could be one of those games where Ohio State doesn't get a lot of sacks because Indiana is so protecting against, you know, five-step drop and sit, and they just try to throw to the perimeter and get nowhere because Ohio State's also the better athletes. Uh, you know, pray for T- pray for Indiana's offensive line in this game because it's, this is – I don't know how Indiana scores here. You know, I think Ohio State maybe has to work through some kinks. We'll see what Kyle McCord does, but this is this is Ohio State big. Give me Ohio State. Uh, I'll lay the points for him. Buckeyes roll. Uh, I'm taking Ohio State as well, um, but Indiana-Ohio State games are always kind of weird. Uh, it'll be like close for a half or something like that. And so we'll see how that looks. I think, you know, Indiana's got a new quarterback situation. There's been some whispers. They might look a little bit different on offense. I'm kind of curious some things they might try to pull out. But the number one thing we're watching in this game is Kyle McCord, the guy. You know, does he come out? Do they score touchdowns in the first two drives? And you're set and you're good. That's kind of all we're expecting. It's a 30 and a half point spread. Uh, you know, it's it's not I, I usually try to I usually just stay away from big spreads like this because weird things can happen late in games. Week one, guys get pulled, you never know. I would still pick Ohio State though, just because Indiana has been so bad the last two years. Like we remember 2019, 2020 Indiana arguably should have gone to the Big Ten championship game. 
they have, I think, one Big Ten win over the last two years. They And I think it was Michigan State. They have completely fallen apart since they lost their coordinators the last couple of years. And I don't see that changing. Yeah, I have a hard time with this game because on one hand, the latest iterations of Indiana have been so bad. But on the other hand, Chris has been paying attention to these games. They've, they've always been weird. Um, you know, 54 to 7 last year. But it's just... I don't know how to feel about quarterback grab ass here of they're both going to play. Well, so how are they, how are they both going to play? Is it going to be every other series? Is it going to be one half or the other? Do you want meaningful reps for both quarterbacks? Um, is it three series then three series or are these quarterbacks going to go into the game um, pressing because they're afraid they're going to get benched or don't make it the statement that they want to make in order to win the job. Um, seems to me that Ohio state would like to have a, starting quarterback who plays the entire game by the Indiana or by the Notre Dame game at the end of the month. Um, and that seems to make sense, but you know, they have the receivers. They could, they definitely score as much as they want just with a functional game plan. But whenever you're playing musical quarterbacks, um, you know, funky things can happen or weird turnovers, uh, forced picks, um, just like not being in a groove uh, makes 30 and a half, a, a hard spread to cover. Now, Certainly, it could be sixty-six to ten or whatever, and it's an it's an easy easy cover. Um, but I just don't know how much to love Ohio State in this scenario because I just think that there's going to be a lot of kinks to work through as a result of trying to figure out this whole battle. So um, I'm also very curious to see Ohio State's running backs. Uh, um, Trey Henderson was one of the best. Uh, you know, running back recruits that they've had in a long time. And he had a really good true freshman year last year. He was banged up and didn't play so well. It's like, is Ohio state just going to be able to run, run the ball at a level that they kind of have gotten away from as they've kind of gotten this reputation as a finesse team. So I, I actually don't really believe that uh, I love Ohio state in this spot. I think I might take Indiana here, a team that's getting them uh, on the road. They're getting them at home. Uh, they're playing these two quarterbacks and Tom Allen has a ace up his sleeve, which is not naming his starting kicker. Did you guys see that? Well, so he sort of did and sort of didn't. I actually watched a clip after that because everybody was pointing that out. He's asked if he has a starting kicker. He says, we do. He's asked what the situation is. And then Tom Allen goes to explain it may be bet- may depend on the length of the kick, who they pick. So I think they're no. just kind of going. I think it depends on the situation. He also didn't name a starting quarterback. And one of the guys in the mix, uh, Ubin, you might remember this name, Taven, Taven Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. yeah, I remember Former that name. Ten, top 100 recruit from Tennessee, played in three games last year. He has come over. He may get the start. If he does, I'm kind of curious what kind of uh, maybe quarterback run game, what kind of ru- QB run game they put in there as well. So we'll see what Indiana's got as well. But you know, This game has 45-17 written all over it, I think. Yeah. Maybe it's, it's one seven. of those games Se- where it's like uh, Indiana's not scoring 17 points. Sorry. No. Yeah. I mean, well, the, the hope for Ohio state is that their defense plays that way where it, it, that statement holds water. So, you know, we'll see. I just don't know if I love laying 30 and a half week one on the road in a big 10 game. And you don't know how the quarterbacks are going to be handled. Um, that's just a tough proposition for me. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. One of your guys' favorite sleepers of the year, or national championship sleepers anyway, Washington um, is hosting Boise State at home and laying three scores, 14 and a half. Um, I know that there are some thought processes out there that Boise could really, really, really give him a game here. Like, I mean, I've seen some people like actually lightly predict that Boise's going to win. Um, and I know that you're high Chris on Boise, right? Like, do you think they're going to be a nine, 10 win team this year? Um, what are you doing in this game? This is my second biggest game of the week. Other than Florida state, uh, LSU. I am fascinated in this game. I am fascinated as somebody who picked Washington to go to the playoff. Uh, as I did, but I also think Boise State has a real shot to be the top group of five team. Boise State might be back, and I don't think people noticed because they started two and two last year. They quarterback goes in the portal. They fire the offensive coordinator. They lose to UTEP. It's a disaster. Well, they changed things up after that, and they go 8-0 in Mountain West Conference play. They play in the conference championship game, lose to Jake Hayner and Fresno State, win their bowl game. So like they really turned things around on the back of Taylor Green. Remember that name? He's the quarterback now. Six foot six, it takes long strides, really good in the run game, got a lot better as a passer as the year went on. They've got some really good running backs on this team and a really solid defense. This is a team that's going to run the ball, maybe try to shorten the game a little bit. Uh, I think I've got Boise State to cover the 14 and a half. Washington to win, they're going to put up a lot of points, but I think Boise can score and they can shorten the game a little bit with what they do in the running game that I'm going to go with Boise State keeps it close enough in the cover. I'm with you on this. I think Boise can win this game. Uh, You know, again, these super-duper offenses that everybody assumes are just going to be like 50-yard touchdown, 60-yard touchdown, 60-yard touchdown. Week one can get a little hairy for some of them, even if you bring everything back. Um, you know, for a lot of the reasons that you laid out, I, I'm not so sure. I, I you know, I, Chris, I, I think Boise probably believes they can probably go toe to toe with these guys. I think you're going to see a ton of points in this ball game. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that Washington flirts with a loss here. I, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Boise pushed them late, but 14 and a half is too many. I think Boise, you know, people really did, you know, uh, uh leave them for dead last year. It looked like a death spiral situation. And it was not. Uh, they rescued themselves out of that black hole, and I think that continues this year. So, yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll take Boise in the points for sure here. I don't know if I'm just a hater drinking Haterade, but I just, like, am fading Washington this year. Um, and everybody yeah, thinks we, we, that they're going to be really, really good. I, I like Boise in the spot. I think it's uh, 
tough opening opponent. Um, I will say that nobody throws a prettier pass than Michael Penix Jr. Like, trust me, I think it's gorgeous. But I just don't know if the sum of what this team has on it, uh, you know, on its roster and, and what they've, you know, added and subtracted in the year off, like, automatically turns them into a playoff team. Like, especially with the tough Pac-12 this year, I just don't see it. And I know that it's not relevant to this game, but Boise State can run the football. They can shorten the games if, if it takes some time for them to all get on the same page and they have some, you know, tough spots there uh, offensively in the first game that Boise state could, could be in this game in the fourth quarter. So I like taking the points here too. Are they going to play um, next, for a statue of Chris Peterson, by the way? They should. Yeah. I mean, speaking of things, Indiana, who do lost, you think? Kalen DeBoer, the former OC and Michael Penix, the former quarterback, Indiana could use that right now. Yeah. Yep. Do you consider Peterson to be like, who, who's the first school that comes to your mind when you think of them? I mean Boise, Boise, because he hung on there for so long. Yeah, he did. He he made all the noise at Boise and was good at Washington. Um, you know the playoff was no slouch there. But at the end of the day, so many people tried to pry him away from Boise, and he did so many great things there that for me it's still Boise. Aaron points out we've got RG three calling the Michael Penix Jr. game here, so get ready for that on commentary. Not the first oh, time. Boy. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, oh, I, I think Chris Peterson Boise because you think of the one of the most iconic plays in history, yes. the, the Statue of Liberty, and then you've got Chris Peterson on the sideline pumping his fist, and so like, yeah, he's, he's part of that moment. RG three, don't is, get fired. Challenge. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, listen, buddy, I'm I'm with him on that. Every single time we load the sticks up here, I gotta just make sure that I I keep it in line here. So, um, okay. <laughs> The uh, Dave Ubbin Bowl, Middle Tennessee State at, at number four, Alabama, uh, laying 39 and a half points. Uh, are we laying 40 points for the, your squad, uh, Dave Ubbin? <laughs> We've been saying all offseason, Bama is not going to be able to score, okay? And obviously, they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage at this game. But Middle Tennessee State is not a tin can. This team won 15 games the last two years. Uh, this is too many uh, too many points for an off- offense that we – they don't have game breakers. You know, I – Bama wins this game comfortably, but 40 we have no points. no Alabama listeners left in this podcast feed. Probably None. not. But you're not going to get, I, like, <laughs> you. I can see them getting a defensive score, but you're not going to get the easy, you know, oh, there goes a bust. Uh, you know, here's a here's a 75-yard touchdown, you know, right after you went down the field, you know, for 14 plays and kicked a field goal. We're, we're not going to see that in this game. So lower scoring. In order to cover 40, and, you do need to get those, like, 75-yard like the the ten yeah. yard slant that yes. somebody breaks a tackle and runs all the way down because they might be able to do long sustained drives or you know do eight you know eight play uh, never not in control drives with the clock the way it is and it's yeah. just like a really hard spread to cover against a team that um, actually it's is quite functional. functional I think yes yeah. so here's the thing about Middle Tennessee they are usually functional they get to a bowl game most years they beat mm-hmm. Miami last year handily. The problem is they lost everybody off that team. They are breaking in new players all over the place on the offensive side of the ball. So that's a group of five team. You don't know what to expect anything from. I think Bama just on pure talent alone probably wins this like 49 to seven type of thing. I don't see middle Tennessee doing anything offensively in this game. So it's basically whether or not Alabama can get to like 40 points, 42 points. And I think they will. I think they'll get some big plays. I think I think uh, Milrow will have a couple big runs, and I think they get there. Although, again, in general, it spreads this big. I ain't touching them in general, but if i got to make a pick, not high in Middle Tennessee this year, so I'd say Bama. We've lost all our Murfreesboro listeners now. 
Well done. Well, I love the idea of just like <laughs> Middle Tennessee State might not get a first down in the first half. So like how quickly and uh, efficiently can Alabama's can offense move the football? Can we bet on that, Ari? Can we bet on Middle Tennessee <laughs> State getting a first down in the first half? I mean, listen, man. It was like you you read the the column that I or the thoughts piece that I wrote about the 247 sport composite. Yeah. It was like a really hard discussion of like Alabama and what yeah. to make of that. You know, the Alabama team is the first team I think in the history of the two, four, seven sport composite that has um, the, the point total that they have uh, in the rankings. They're the number one team in the country. They have over a thousand points. And I think that when you break it all down across an 85 man roster, the average player, the average player on Alabama's roster is like a top 100 player. (laughs) Like, I mean, think about that. That sounds like the athletics college football staff. Yeah, well, I, I it sure does, bud. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like, there is like it's it's like really really hard for me, and I've kind of, you've kind of convinced me a little bit to, to not pick Alabama as a playoff team. But when you say that out loud into the atmosphere, and then consider who coaches them, I'm with you. It's mm-hmm. like this game could be seventy seven to nothing for all we know, and their defense is going to be nasty. Nothing. It's going to be nasty. I, I, you know what? I'm laying, I'm laying the points. <laughs> no, I'm Girl, kidding. Man, I don't switch. We, we've poisoned no, 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 I, don't, I don't switch up. I, I think that 40 is a lot for this game. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Saturday night. Is Penn State for real? West Virginia on the road in Happy Valley. Penn State minus 20 and a half. Butt kicking. Butt kicking of the highest order incoming. Not Not competitive. Probably. Well... This well, it's it's hard. Like West Virginia was competitive last year. You know they should have beat. They they almost beat. Probably should have beat Pitt week one. They beat Oklahoma later in the year. Like they're not a garbage team. This is a team that'll flirt with a bowl game probably once again. Penn State, it's a whiteout game. Those that's usually worth a a field goal or a touchdown. I'm taking Penn State, but I don't feel great about it. Twenty and a half is a lot against a Power Five team for a Penn State 10. team. For a Penn State team that hasn't yet shown it's at that next level. You said what? 38, 10. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll, we'll see. I mean, Ari, what do you think of Jarrell? We saw him a bit last year. You, we know you think he should have played all of last year. We never really had that out on the pod, you and me, but uh, what, what do you think? You know, Chris, every single time you bring it up, I feel like you like miscategorize my point. <laughs> my thought process with that was simple. If you're a Penn state fan, knowing the way that the game, the season ended, last year with a Rose bowl win, losing the only two regular season games that matter to you. Would you rather have that Rose bowl wind and cherish it and clutch it towards your chest? Or would you rather go back in time and have a more refined drew Aller coming into this year and maybe sacrifice that Rose bowl memory? That's it. And I, and I was like, if I were a Penn state fan, I would sacrifice the meaningless Rose bowl win to try to actually have a chance if it makes me 5% more likely to beat Ohio State or Michigan or both this year, last year is nothing compared to the opportunity that this team has this year to actually do something, to make a mark, and to not lose both games on their schedule that matter to them the most in order to win the consolation prize with the Rose Bowl while they look in uh, you know, from afar with their goggles as Ohio State and, and Michigan play in the playoff. Like, I don't know. I'm not a Penn State fan, so I don't know how their how their brain chemistry works, but it's not like this is like the the prom that they're never going to forget. It was like the consolation prize in their own conference. They finished third in their own division. 
It's not a special season that you're never going to forget well, ever. I, I am of I am of that belief that if if you would give me a championship in any sport in exchange, we miss the playoffs and we're garbage for the next ten years. I would take that trade off. The problem is that's not a guaranteed trade off here. And you had the same view before last season, before mm-hmm. Penn State went and did what it did that you wanted them to start Drew Aller and get through all of that stuff. I think them getting and who said that if they that, would have started Drew Aller that they would have lost the two games that mattered to them in the conference and won the Rose Bowl. But you're 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 go you're it's it, look it's entirely hypotheticals on both sides of what happened or what could happen, and that's fine. You, like I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I I'm just saying it's not wrong to think that what they accomplished last year meant something and that Penn State tangibly improved for being on the stage of the Rose Bowl and beating Utah sure. the way they did with such a young team that has carried over that when they're on, normally they're on the big stage, they lose to Michigan, they lose to Ohio State, and that's it. Like, they got a big win. They don't have that many big wins over the last couple of years. So I think it's important to get that. That helps them. That's all. Chris, would you sacrifice all that flowery nonsense that you just said if it made their team 5% better this year? No, because I think they're already at that spot where they could do it. I wouldn't give up the Rose Bowl for a 5% Then I would certainly do it. If you think that you're already on par. that's fine. I mean, I just feel like you want to go for the the big thing, you know? I don't know. Yeah, you. But I'm, I'm not saying that. You know, I think Ralph that. Russo on you now. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> he, you can go he, on his he, podcast. He ta- you guys can talk about yeah. me like you're 16 year olds at the uh, high school lunch. Uh, I, I just like I, I just it would be cool to like actually hear like what Penn State fans have to say about it, because I, I think that more yes. of them would probably be on my page than yours. I don't know. I'd love to throw it out there. I'm very curious. But I think that Penn State's going to kick West Virginia's ass this weekend. Yeah. I, I'm picking it, too, but. I got to see Penn State do it. I know they're a good team and everything, but like sometimes they sometimes they're not as great on these stages uh, on these types of stages. It's the NBC game, the first NBC, so we'll see. But I think the white out everything like them. This is the kind of game that you're going to know whether they're covering like in the first half. Yeah. Like last year, if you go back and you look at their first game, that was Thursday night game, September first. Uh, I think that they were on the, the road Virginia. though. Yeah, it was in, no, that was the, the Purdue game. They were no, the losing for most of that game. They and they lost, almost right. lost the game. And then Sean Clifford, funny enough, led them back at the end uh, with a late minute drive. Uh, but then they played at Auburn two weeks later and kicked the crap out of Auburn. Like it right. wasn't well, even close. So it's like, which one? Well, it's it's the same. Don't tell me that this year's West Virginia team is markedly better than that one. I'm just saying it's a similar no, situation. Works, in- but I'm just saying Auburn, let's not give them too much credit for, for I mean, beating a clearly like, you know, lame duck Auburn team that was just counting down the days. They were both road games. This one's at home. Uh, I know it's an in-state rivalry. You know, Neil Brown is on the hot seat. Not an in-state rivalry. Yes, it is. They're different states. (laughs) West Virginia and Pennsylvania are different states. Uh, Oh, sorry. I was thinking thinking in my head. You were thinking Pitt. Yeah, I was thinking Pitt. (laughs) Still not an in-state rivalry, but yeah. I wish it was the pit game, to be honest, but this is going to be good. CJ Donaldson's a really good running back. I'm excited to see him yeah. go. But like if they if if Penn State is for real this year, just come out and just don't play grab ass. Just just show exactly. us. They will. And, I'm, in, I'm in on Penn State this year. All right. OK. All right, guys. Uh, Sunday night game, the main event. We're doing this at the end of the show, because if you listen to it on Friday morning, like most people will. 
we didn't want to spoil it because you'll already know the results of this game. Um, but I think that this is the best game of the year. Um, not the year, what is, the what weekend. Is, did, wait, I got distracted by the this chat game is su- This game is Sunday. This game's on Sunday. You won't be spoiled if you listen to this on Friday. Yeah, you're getting our, we're not on the Thursday games yet, are we? We're still on Sunday. But is I there will like say a way this, that we could just like edit this? No. Here's my, here's my thought for Yari. <laughs> the only rematch that we get all season is LSU Florida State. Interesting. In the playoff. Playoff national Well, the thing that's really LSU. interesting to me about this mm-hmm. after the getting this confused with the Utah-Florida game for some reason, that wasn't my finest minute of podcasting. I hope you forgive me. <laughs> um, but this, to me, is like two teams that you believe will compete for and potentially make the playoff. Yes. Right. Yeah. And this is like recruiting versus transfers almost a little bit. Right. And I'm sure Catherine will jump in here and correct me, but it's like, can you build the team that you think uh, you can from a national championship perspective by doing it through the portal slowly, but surely year over year, or do you have to have the baseline talent accumulated through the high school ranks and then built the way that they are um, that way LSU is. It's I'm like kind of like for, for, for LSU here. I gotta say you're, you are. Yeah. I mean, Keon Coleman, Johnny Wilson, people are sleeping on Jaheim Bell somehow. A lot of weapons. I think this game has a lot of points as well. And Florida uh, State has a good offensive line for the first time in like three years. Like it's actually a strength. Well, they, were, they were decent last year. They were okay. No, but it's getting better. better. It's better. Yeah. 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 Alex Atkins uh, has done a great job with that line. The O-line coach. I still, I'm, I'm nervous for LSU, but I, I will say, give me Jane Daniels and Malik neighbors enough, enough plays in the fourth quarter to survive. But this feels like 38, 35 type of game here. You you think that LSU is going to win? I think they win. I think they give me the, the uh, I'll lay the points uh, on a last second field goal uh, redemption from last, from last year. Uh, a chip shot field goal rather than an extra point. Well, I want Catherine's win. prediction in the chat here because I'm very curious what she thinks. She about says the best Tigers. bet in this game is the over. So uh, she's she says the best me. bet's the over, but I want to know what side she's what on. I mean, it? she's. Uh, uh, I don't know. 59, 60? I would take the over still I, either way. I, I want to know what side she's on in terms of like the teams, because it's like you're over here talking all that, all, you know, all that noise about LSU potentially 56. being a national championship contender this year, Dave. Mm-hmm. Um, and Florida state actually, in my opinion, is probably a more explosive team, right? They don't have Harold Perkins, but yeah. when you like name off all those offensive weapons, it's like mm-hmm. LSU doesn't bring that to the, doesn't, doesn't bring that to the table yet. Offensively, not that same yeah. depth. Um, I think, you know, the Mason Smith factor is, is huge variety. for them. Yeah. And he's not playing. Mason, yeah, exactly. The Mason Vector is huge. Um, I, I think that's, you know, this is a game when you would need him um, because you need somebody to to disrupt and throw off timing and help them stop the run and, and prevent that balance. He's not going to be there. So I, I'm nervous uh, here, but I, I think LSU slops this out. Where, where are you at on this, Ari? What? Go Let ahead, Chris. I want to be Let the last. Yeah. When, okay. When, when Mike Norvell has weapons – he is an incredibly fun football coach to watch. Those Memphis teams he had those last couple of years are stacked with NFL players. You throw Keon Coleman onto this offense and what they can do with the running game and Johnny Wilson and Jordan Travis has gotten a lot better. This is going to be an incredibly fun team all season long. I've got Florida State straight up in this game uh, winning. They're getting the two and a half. And Alvin, I want to go back to say, you said this would be the only rematch of the season. Uh I think Florida State Clemson is going to be a rematch in the ACC championship game uh, easily because there's no divisions in the ACC this year. So one and two mix there, unless you think Clemson's not going to be, you know, 
very good. But uh, Florida State's got this, and they got Clemson in like what two or three weeks after this. So like, we're gonna find out very quickly what Florida State is. I think that the hardest part about this game is that the biggest question mark on LSU's team maybe is their corners. Yeah, and. Mm-hmm. Florida State is loaded at receiver. Um, And another interesting question, maybe not pertaining to what side you'd be on, but who do you think has a better quarterback? Florida State. Uh, That's a good question. I would would take Jordan Travis. I think I would, but... Is it possible that Harold Harold Perkins just like sucks out his will to live after this game too? Like that's the it's thing po- too. It's, it's possible, like, but I again, if, if you've improved in the offensive line, you don't have Mason Smith. That makes life harder for for Harold Perkins. Like, can Makai Wingo be that guy? Maybe he can, but you'd like to have them both. Um, where you can't just throw doubles, you know, at two different guys or you move mm-hmm. guys around. If you've got Mason Smith and Makai Wingo and Harold Harold Perkins, somebody's getting free almost every play. But when you take away one of those. You can double, and then it's like, well, how many of your one-on-one matchups can you win? Okay, and then we'll, we'll find out. You have to think Perkins. Who I guess they're going to play him a little bit more inside this year. Some hmm. I, that strikes me as like, okay, like maybe uh, we'll see. I don't love that, um, but you know, you have to think Perkins will get more doubles than Wingo will. But we'll see. I said at the beginning of this that this would be one of the best games of the year. I mean, it might actually be one of the best games of the year. In fact, could be yeah. last year's game was one of the best games of the year. The way it ended, that was crazy. One of the best like, fourth I mean, just quarters like the, of the, the year. Fourth quarters <laughs> of the year, like uh, you know, I was at a. I think I, th- I said I said this to you guys, but I was at a fantasy football draft in Vegas. We had a a suite at one of the hotels there, and we were all drafting. And then we decided to cumulatively all bet on LSU with the league money to like double the league money or just play for fun that year. <laughs> then we all had LSU. So when that miss extra point happened. The mm. silence in that room. I, it was like painful. It was like, it was like, cause we all thought it was an L for three quarters. And then, and then it was just one of the best fourth quarters. I, I remember seeing in a long time. And then like, you get all the way down the field, you score that touchdown and then you miss the extra point. It's just like, woo. Um, I was at my I, nephew's wedding. I missed the first three quarters of last year's game. Unfortunately. Is it bad to just say, you don't know? Like, I just, I don't know. Like if I had a, I think like I would just take the points here when it's kind of a toss up, but um, mm-hmm. you know, the Harold Perkins factor to me, it's like, if he can just disrupt and, and do things um, to that team that kind of just demoralizes you, I think that that might help LSU from like the, the best defensive X factor in this games on LSU side, but I like what Florida state brings to the table offensively better. So in their offensive line without Mason Smith, you know, I'm talking to myself, I think I'm on Florida state in this game. Catherine B said she was on a bachelorette trip for that game last year. Uh, she also has LSU, LSU by ten, but she's not confident in the cornerbacks. So Catherine should actually like <laughs> not not with the pick, but uh, uh, come up with like a dissertation on this game so we all can follow it. Um, <laughs> but it seemed like we were kind of on the same wavelength there. So are we going okay. Monday or Thursday here, Ari? All right, let's go Thursday games towards the end, okay. and we'll finish on Monday. This okay. correctly, I'll say now. We're doing this at the end of the show because these games are on Thursday night. If you're listening to us yeah. on Friday morning, we didn't want blah, blah, blah. Let's do it. Um, one of the more interesting games of the week, I think, uh, Florida and Utah. Florida was at one point an eight-point dog, eight point dog, and then Cameron Rising was ruled out of the game, and the spread has now dropped to four and a half. Uh, Not officially, Florida but on unlikely. the road. 
at yeah, Utah minus four and a half. Yeah. He's not out. Oh, I thought that I thought that I read somewhere that he he's, wasn't playing. But he's unlikely. probably out. But they haven't said he's out. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I got a I got a double hot take for you on this game. Okay. Hot take number one: Brent Keithy is a bigger loss than Cam Rising. Hot take number two: Neither is going to matter, and Utah still wins this and covers it relatively easy. Wow. Uh, Utah doesn't beat you with quarterback play. I, I'm I'm worried about Keithy, but a tight end isn't worth three points. I think the spread moved down. I, people have kind of known that Cam Rising, like this is not, you know, they didn't shock the world yesterday when you saw that. Like this has been trending this direction for a while. But I think during the summer at one point it was like a 10-point spread. It's It's been moving in this direction for a while. But they mm-hmm. beat you by being tough up front, being sound on defense. Do we believe in Florida's weapons and Graham Mertz being able to find them? I, I personally don't. Utah tackles well. You're not going to see a lot of busts. Uh, and, and again, that's going to be enough against a Florida team with alarmingly low uh, expectations. So give me the Utes here because they're going to win this game on the line of scrimmage and easily uh, absorb the blows. But you, you don't think that Florida's going to have a pulse rising. this year, do you? If you told me that Florida was going to be the worst team in the SEC this year, I would say, huh, okay. I mean, Stu picked them to go 3-9. and nine Yes, and fire that's Navy what right. I would say. I, I don't think that's going to happen, but it's on the table. I went to Gainesville two weeks ago to see Florida, and they were all very curious about Cam Rising, and they were, look, they were collecting newspaper clippings as much as they could to try to get a read on what was going to happen there. If you're going to play Utah, it's better to get them in September than it is to get them in November. And I think we saw an example of that last year when Florida beat Utah and Utah went on to win the Pac-12 and looked like a great team at the end of the season. I think Florida has a real shot here. The coaches, they feel like they're going to surprise people. They know no one's really given them a chance. They know some people don't think they'll make a bowl game. They think... They have enough in place, especially in the trenches where Utah usually beats you. They feel good there. They feel like they'll be able to run the ball and stop the run. And that's what kind of this year's team is going to be built on because you don't want to try to win a game with Graham Mertz. I am skeptical of Graham Mertz as a successful option for Florida. Billy Napier is very, very high on him. Now, Billy Napier's offense is always molded around the quarterback. They can kind of dumb it down is the way an agent put it to me. Uh, it, they think they'll be okay. I think the fact that Keithy, if Keithy and Rising are out, it's going to be real tough for Utah. And it's going to be a low-scoring game, I think, kind of similar to last year maybe. Mm-hmm. I've got Florida with the points here. I, I would take Florida the the four and a half. I mean, if it was still eight, thing, though, Chris. Last year, Utah was the better team in that game by a wide margin, and they had – the most uniquely terrible game plan for Anthony Richardson that made him mm. look like Superman and made us all wonder if he was going to be a Heisman contender. And the the way they, they lost contain consistently with him, they couldn't see or stop the design runs with him. You know, he looked like Cam Newton in that game. And he didn't look like that again, maybe the entire season. Uh, no. You know, I, I they just don't have that with Graham Mertz. And, and you know... The, I just don't see the improvements going to be there. I think it's going to be the same Utah team. And don't sleep on Rice Eccles. Like, that's a house of horrors for a lot of people. It is. It um, is. And so, it, listen, I this I think this it will be an ugly game. I think this looks something like a, like a 21-10 sort of situation, 21-13 maybe. That's what I think we're going to see. See, I, I think it's like a, like, a, like a 21-17 type of thing. So, 
I don't think anybody is at least reserving the notion or the possibility that Graham Mertz can just come out firing bullets all over the place, huh? What if the guy just, just like, team. he was misused well, at his previous no. stop, and he comes out just rifling pigskin? Not against Utah. I mean, I could see it. Uh, I, I could see it a couple handful of times this year, maybe two, three games. He goes for three hundred and three scores. That's plausible. It's not but, happening. Well, he's never Utah. he's never gone for three hundred yards in his career. He has never thrown for three hundred. Yeah, yards. but he that's Wisconsin. The Wisconsin yeah, 175 yard passing game is a 300 yard passing game that's, at any other school. That's fair. So. My other question, though, with Florida is that their receivers, they don't have a great receiving court. They got yeah. Pearsall there, but a lot of question marks otherwise. I watched a little bit of one Florida practice, and Mertz was not very accurate. It's just one practice. Take huh, it for what it's imagine worth. Imagine that. But this is a, this is a, this is, you're going to have to get the ball out on time. I, you're right. I don't think Richardson kind of fit into what Napier wanted to do. So, like, it's possible they just have a better, a more efficient offense despite losing the number five pick in the draft, you know, like maybe it's just kind of a Ewing theory type of thing. So I, I don't know, Florida, the folks down there, they're cautiously optimistic, but they know if they go to Utah and lay a complete egg and then they've got Tennessee two weeks later, it could spiral out of control. It's a young team with a good amount of freshmen in the two deep. They're going to need to like have some stuff to feel good about and build on early on. Okay, guys, we're at uh, an hour and one minute. We have a few more games left. Why don't we just go lightning round before we get to to superlatives, okay? Um, And there's another game on Thursday night, Nebraska at Minnesota. I'm taking the points. I think Nebraska is going to be more competent, and I'm high on Sims. I'll lay the points. Matt Rule, I think think we are all buying, but traditionally it has not happened overnight. Slow starts, uh, you know, the turnover seems to – they always come out of the gates slow. And it's sort of a slow burn, and then it heats up in a hurry. Uh, you know, I buy them long term, but there, I think there's going to be a lot of kinks. I'd like to see historically first year coaches against the spread in their first game. I'd like to see those numbers. Um, you know, Ethan Kaliakbon is a good player. Minnesota underrated place to play. You know, no, no Mo Ibrahim, but you got Mo Tyler. I think ultimately uh, Minnesota gets this done, and Nebraska looks a little ugly to start. Yeah, look, I mean, Matt Rule, his first year at Temple, he goes 2-10. and 10. His first year at Baylor, he goes 1-11. and 11. And he took over teams that were not, like, garbage when he got there. I know Baylor kind of had the scandal going on, but they were, like, 4-7 and seven the year before he got there, and then they go 2-10. and 10. So, like, it takes time for him to build it. Now, maybe the portal and what they can do speeds that process up. But I think Minnesota, it's, it's just a consistent team the last four or five years. They're going to win eight, nine games. They're at home. They're going to be able to run the ball. Got a new quarterback. We'll see how that works. Um but I, I think Minnesota will just be too good inside in the trenches, what they've been the last few years, to beat a new team like Nebraska. I would take, I would take Minnesota getting, uh, giving seven points. Clemson minus thirteen on Monday night against Duke on the road. I think I'm scared that the Clemson might be back. Cade Klubnick and Garrett Riley. Uh, there's a lot of other questions about the Clemson, but I think those I've got that some. that. That, yes, and they're all fair. But if you have a competent play caller, and I think the last couple of years, Clemson's offense has been rough to watch, and DJU was a big part of that, but schematically, they had a lot of issues as well. I think if you, listen, Kate Klubnick's a lot more talented than Max Duggan, and I, I I think you can maybe do some stuff here. How they figure out how to use Will Shipley will be very interesting. So I, may, this may be a coming out party type game. I love Riley Leonard. I think he might be the most underrated player in the country, but I don't know that it's going to show up uh, against Clemson. I think 
I think Garrett Riley could be the talk of week one. My my biggest question with Clemson is not the quarterback, it's not the offense coordinator, it's the receivers. They have not had a mm-hmm. game-breaking receiver in a while. Jordan Shipley can do a lot of different things in, in and whatever, but that's my biggest question with, with them. Um, can they get explosive plays in what they want to do? I still think either way, though, Clemson, given the points, I would still take Clemson in this because Duke, they won nine games last year, and they were a lot more competent. Ryan Leonard's a good quarterback. They're better on defense. But that team got every conceivable break last year. Like the turnover luck that they had was extremely high. I don't think that happens to them again this year. These two teams haven't played in like five years, Clemson and Duke. So not real much to go off of off of that. But I think Clemson is just perfectly competent and Duke isn't quite as lucky and Clemson wins this game by 17, 21 points type mm-hmm. of deal. Yeah, I think that uh, looking at Clemson sitting there in the top five, of the two, four, seven sports talent composite, huh? You know, what if Bo Collins has a, has a big year? You know, I, I think that like from a, Talent standpoint, obviously, Clemson is is far and away the better team. But um, I think that like a lot of people are falling in love with Leonard on the other side and thinking that this is going to be a closer game as a result of that. And I actually just think that it's possible that Clemson is the best pick to make the playoff out of the ACC, and we've just kind of forgotten about him a little bit through the hype of Florida State and and some of the other you know quarterbacks in that league. So um, I'm I'm laying the points here. I think Clemson's going to win, and I think they're going to win pretty handily. Um, okay. Quick superlative picks, okay? We're going to do this really mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, what's your guys' trap game of the week? Can you have a trap game in week one, by the way, if you've been if you've been you can. building up to it for seven, eight months? You can if you're Tulane and you lose Tajay Spears and you're playing a really good South Alabama team that brings back most of its offense and that the teams are sleeping on and maybe a little too high on Tulane. Uh, a touchdown underdog? Look out for uh, South Alabama to spring the upset in week it, one. Shout is out that a trap? Is that a trap for us fans as opposed to a trap game for Tulane? Because uh, I think uh, most well, it's a trap for everyone. How about that? Because I think South Alabama is really good. Yes, I they are very high. Shout out Carter one. Bradley, baby. My um, trap game. Uh, my trap game. Washington State going to Colorado State. Colorado State last year, really really bad, but Clay Millen's a decent quarterback i think colorado state's going to take a big jump this year they were extremely young it's a pac-12 team going on the road and colorado colorado state what two weeks from now i think could be interesting so but keep an eye on washington state going to colorado state also potential future conference game with real line also keep an eye out virginia tech and old dominion ricky ronnie well ricky ronnie hi we're gonna my, my, i want to know what you think about this chris because you're locked in on michigan state um uh, Aaron asked in the in the comments here to spend a brief moment talking about Michigan State and Central Michigan, and like Michigan State's uh, laying only fourteen points, like that to me, like if things are really headed in the wrong direction down there, like in the morale on the team is like I that to me strikes me as kind of a dangerous spot too. You got an in-state game, and I'm actually correct on the states this time, and um, you know a team that <laughs> doesn't have a lot to feel good about at the moment, like that is disaster waiting to happen. Am I, am I uh, crazy pills on this one or do you with me a little bit? Well, Michigan state has lost to central Michigan twice. I covered one yeah. of them 2009 Dan, uh, Dan Lefevre and Antonio Brown and Butch Jones went up to Spartan stadium and won. You were old bro. Uh, I know that I was, was a remembering uh, guys, all-star game right there. <laughs> yeah. So like central Michigan, they've lost a lot of guys in the portal. I'm very, very interested in their quarterback, Burt Emanuel jr. 
he had like three 60 yard runs in like four games last year. If he, I don't I don't I haven't checked if he won the job or not. Extremely explosive player or quarterback. Basically, Wasn't one of them in the, the snow ball. game. The poor. The, yeah, the I think it, I think it was. Game. So in, in Michigan State, this is what a Friday game. I think they usually open on Fridays, but Michigan State in week one, they're always starting slow. They have always started slow under D'Antonio. Under it's, it's just kind of something they do, especially if it's one of those night games. I just think Central Michigan has too many questions. I think they're. I think Central Michigan could be kind of not great. Uh, I would still I would take Michigan State with that, but that's kind of more of a statement about CMU. It's, a, it's a trap. That's the point of it. It's a trap. Oh yeah, it's a <laughs> trap game for sure. Yeah, um, definitely trap game. All right, your locks of the week. You already alluded to mine. Old Dominion plus seventeen. I think is the spread. Come on, what what are we doing here? Seventeen points is a lot in that game. Virginia Tech. Listen, I'm sorry if you're a college football fan in the state of Virginia. It's gonna be a rough year. Uh, my lock of the week, Utah minus four. And I will go bonus. Chris, you scared me a little bit. But Chris, Boise, Washington over 59. Wow. Lock of the yeah. week oh, is yeah, Utah. Yeah. That's interesting. My my uh, my lock of the week, another game we already talked about, TCU. I, I don't think that game's going to be close. You can't have TCU's a lock of the week if you don't know the amoeba <laughs> that they're playing. You don't even yeah. know who they're, who they're I, playing yet. We are it's you the unbettable game. Of, I am on your we'll side, but it's like on, the, we'll it's, harass it's, him on Saturday afternoon. It's just when, the unbettable uh, game of the week. Colorado hits a backdoor cover of some kind. Maybe we'll maybe bet it him. live in the second quarter when you got a good handle of what what's out there. The, the, but, the, other, um, the other one, what the other one would have been Clemson Duke, as, as we just said, and I just explained. I don't think Duke gets the turnover like it did last year. There's yeah. only one answer for Sicko's game of the week, and yes. that's Rutgers. Uh, Who gave this a, a standalone window? This is perversion in its highest form. <laughs> Sunday at noon. I'm going to be on a plane when this game kicks off, and I am thankful that that will be the case. It's like it's a CBS game. It's on CBS. It's at, this, this is, is sick. this is what we're going to get instead of the SEC on CBS. This is what we're going to be getting. <laughs> Listen, dude. Like when I think of a sicko, I think of somebody who's kind of looking through the window, like you know, like the guys on Twitter do. Like they are literally broadcasting this yes. in its own window. Nobody's peering through the glass on this one. We're going to be watching it with our eyes peeled open. Hit the bump Wild. button every time there's an offensive snap in this game. <laughs> yeah. And I just want I just want to do one more thing before we get out of here. Yes. Um, we have to just quickly pick the South Carolina North Carolina game because we didn't get to that one. Um, and that's an important game this week. I think that. Um, you know, North Carolina is going to cover that game. I think Drake May is going to take a uh, a nice step forward onto uh, the platform of being one of the best players in the country, and people are going to recognize him a little bit more. Um, I know their defense has struggled in the past, uh, but you know, I don't know if I'm buying the hype of South Carolina this year. What do you guys think? I'm gonna I'm gonna regretfully say I'm gonna go with the Spencer Rattler reconnaissance project or Renaissance project to continue on. Uh, reconnaissance. From, yeah. <laughs> I just pulled an Ari. Uh, no, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bet on it to continue from Clemson and Tennessee. I Listen, I don't think we're going to see that much of an improved uh, North Carolina offense and uh, our defense, and uh, Spencer Rattler takes advantage. Another game, we're going to see a whole bunch of points, I suspect. My whole thing is with North Carolina under Mac Brown, when they've got hype, they always underachieve, and when you're <laughs> doubting them, they overachieve. Drake May mm-hmm. comes out of nowhere last year at eight in North Carolina has a good season. Now they're expected to do something, and Drake May looks like the number two pick. 
they're not going to have so good of a season. And it's it's going to be the same. It's going to be the Sam Powell thing all over again. Uh, so I'm going to go with South Carolina getting the points in this game. All right, guys, we went a little bit long. I don't feel bad about it because it is the right. first week of the season. Week so one, I just want to thank everybody. Of games. A lot of games. Of course, want to thank everybody for tuning into the live feed of Until Saturday on YouTube. Uh, if you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or uh, Google, wherever you get your podcasts, please leave a thumbs up and hit the subscribe button on YouTube. Uh, please follow myself, David, and Chris on Twitter. I'm at Ari Wasserman. He's at David Ubbin, and he's at Chris Vanini. Just full name squad on Twitter, by the way. Love that. Um, and, of course, if you want to watch our videos when they're live, again, we're going to be live on Thursday night or Thursday during the day picking games, Saturday night after the games to, to recap the whole day, and then Sunday every week. Uh, to do a sound off with your voicemails, please be sure to follow and subscribe in the YouTube channel. The link to the YouTube channel can be found in the show's description. And now we're going to kick it off to the Darius Rucker interview so you can hear about his South Carolina fanhood. Today, we have a very special guest on Until Saturday. He's a Grammy Award winner, CMA, and ACM Award winner. His newest album, Carolyn's Boy, is set to release on October 6th. But most importantly, he bleeds garnet and black. It's Darius Rucker. (laughs) Darius, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Mike. How you doing, man? I'm doing well. Well, we're just days away from kickoff of the new college football season, so I want to talk all things South Carolina Gamecocks football. And you also have an exciting partnership announcement to tell us about. But I want to start with growing up in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, what was it like as a Gamecocks fan? Was there a particular moment you remember that that hooked you, or is it just in the fabric of that state? Oh, it's it's you know when in South Carolina you're either Clemson or, or, or South Carolina. You know, it's as simple as that. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, I kind of, I guess my family was kind of a Clemson family growing up. But when I went to, I went to South Carolina and when I got to school there, I just, that was when my fanaticism just went crazy. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge Gamecock fan, like through and through. I got, you know, the emblem, I got a tattoo, I got a Gamecock tattoo for, for goodness sake, you know. So it's, uh, for me, it's, I love them. I mean, I, like you said, I bleed garnet black and, and I, it's, you know, I love I love my my school and my teams, and I give I give my all for them. Now you're you're constantly traveling and touring. How do you follow and keep up with South Carolina football when you're on the move? And has there been any unconventional places you've had to watch a game when on the road? Oh goodness, one of my favorite one of my favorite memories ever is uh, we were, we're in London, and we we got to go on, and we're and we're playing. I think it's Georgia. We were playing. Georgia at the time. It's just God, maybe four years. Last time we beat Georgia, so it was a minute ago. But uh, we're, we're there, and I'm supposed to go on, and I'm being told we have to go on. And I'm like, I'm not going on until this game's over. <laughs> so I think we went on like 15 minutes late, but I had to sit there and watch the game. And it was, uh, you know, things like that for for me. I, I, no matter where I am in the world, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna watch the Gamecocks play, especially football. That, that's amazing. Now, Shane Beamer is heading into his, his third season with the Gamecocks, going eight and five last year, top twenty-five finish. What are your thoughts and expectations for the twenty twenty-three season? Oh, you know, wins. I expect us to win more than eight games. Uh, you know, our, our program's on the up, and and we're we're doing great things, and recruiting's gotten really good. So, uh, you know, I'm expecting to win nine or ten games and make a really good bowl game, and. You know, it, I, I want to win a national championship, but we play in the SEC, so I'm not going to get crazy. <laughs> now, j- just a quick fun one. If you could perform at any college football stadium other than williams Bryce, which one would it be and why? 
Oh, goodness. Uh, probably LSU. I mean, just because down there it's so crazy and it's so much fun. And, you know, they love music down in the bayou. So I think if, I'd like to go to LSU Stadium and, and they play there again. Have you ever been to a game at Tiger Stadium? No, but I played there once at a, at a big festival that was amazing. But uh, I've never been to a game there, but I'd love to go to a game there. Okay. Now, you also have some big news coming up from your clothing line partnership with Fanatics. Uh, This will be year three of your NFL line with more than 30 styles and all teams. But you are now expanding to Major League Baseball, which will feature all 30 teams. And what our listeners are probably most excited about, the line is expanding to select NCAA teams. And for those watching on YouTube, I'm wearing the University of Miami shirt from the collection. Uh, what were your inspirations behind the expansion into college football apparel and, and the, the the designs of the collection? Oh, the designs we we were we were really have great about. It. I mean, we took our time and you know we had a year to get it all ready, so we got we got some really great designs. But uh, you know, I, I mean, I, my passion for sports is just unparalleled. I love it, and I, I love baseball, I love football, you know, college football, and, and for me to have a lot clothing line for all these things is amazing and so i'm just now you know getting the word out and people people go to fanatics.com and 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 you know really see all the styles of everything and you know, i'm just proud of i love all the styles i'm proud of everything and i'm and i'm so happy to be a part of all this now with, with football season coming up as well you're a miami dolphins fan uh what are your expectations there is Tua going to stay healthy uh is it playoff or bust oh it's definitely playoff or bust I, I think when Tua was healthy last year, we were one of the better teams in the league. I, re- I really thought there were moments I thought we could really win it all when Tua was healthy. And, uh, you know, that's that's really – for the Dolphins, I think that's their barometer. If, if, if he stays healthy, they could go all the way. If he doesn't, you know, we could miss the playoffs. And now with, with the AFC East being so stacked, you know, every you know, my man A.A. Ron going to the Jets. I still want to beat him up for that. And, and you know, it's it's everything. Every, you know, the Bills are still, you know, their window's still open, and, and and it's just you know, so it's it's a tough division. But you know, I think we can win it. I think we go to the Super Bowl. Now, but before I let you go, I gotta ask one question about your Reds, Ellie De La Cruz. Is is he the next future star? Yes, he's not a future star. He's a star today. You know, he's he's so exciting to watch. He's that one player I look at on the, on the, on the squad right now when I go, goodness gracious, can we keep him? You know, that's always the tough thing with with all these mid-market teams is that you, you bring up some guy through your uh, – through the through the ranks, and then you get him in the majors, and he blows up, and then three years later, he's a Yankee or a Dodger or something like that. I, I really hope we get to keep Dela Cruz. He's a great player. Yeah. Well, again, you can find all those lines on Fanatics. Get yourself some nice apparel as we head into football season and postseason baseball. Uh, Darius, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, I really enjoy this, and and hope to speak to you again soon. Oh, thank you, man. Good talking to you.